I'm Chad Roberts, and I want to welcome you to Awakened to Grace. Today we begin the study of one of the most fascinating and thrilling books of the entire Bible, the book of Revelation. And we're going to begin our study in chapter 4 in this series called Things to Come, because we've already preached through the seven churches of Revelation, which can be found in chapters 1, 2, and 3. So we're going to begin this study with chapter 4, where it is a natural transition in the book. And as I'm going to teach today, and I'm going to argue from the scriptures today, I'll argue my point that I believe the transition is the rapture of of the church. So I hope you'll listen closely today. We walk through chapter 4 and we explain literally verse by verse, phrase for phrase, what God's Word is saying to us today. I hope you enjoyed part one of Things to Come, this sermon called Raptured and Rewarded. I've got our brother Caleb up here with me today, and the reason why is because uh, there is so much scripture to remember. Uh, If you're a guest today, you've never been here, you may not know I'm completely blind, and so I try to be faithful to memorize all of the text when I preach, but today we're going to go through the entire chapter of verse 4 of Revelation, and I have so much to remember So many details. You know, I do an Alexa list every Sunday, and on this week is 61 items to try to remember. So what I want to encourage you, I always encourage you to take notes, and if you're someone like me, when I hear someone speak, uh, at least when I had vision, I tried to write down everything. Anybody else like that? I'm going to encourage you, don't try to write down everything today. What I, it's going to be like drinking from a fire hydrant. What I would do today is I would listen, take some notes, but don't feel the pressure to write down everything. Uh, you can go back on our mobile app, Awakened to Grace, and you can go back and re-listen and, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, take note of everything you need to there. So Caleb is going to pray us in this morning, and then he's going to read the text. And then I'm going, to ask, uh, I'm going to ask you to follow along with me. I've got many, many things to remember today. So you pray for me that uh, everything locked up in the vault will come out. Amen? <laughs> thank you, Pastor Chad. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for gathering us here this morning so that we can join together in worshiping and ministering of the, the holiest King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, we, we choose to worship you with this service this morning. Father, we pray that you would just have your way with it this morning. Father, may our, may our ears be open to listen. May our hearts be open to receive whatever it is you have for us this morning, Lord. And Lord, I pray that everyone who entered this building this morning would leave here not the same way that they entered, God. God, I pray that you would just do your work in each of us. And God, I pray that you would just speak through Pastor Chad this morning as he, as he ministers about you, Jesus, and we thank you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. 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 This is Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. 
After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who is seated on the throne, and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Amen. Well, today we're going to begin our thrilling journey through Revelation with chapter 4. The reason we are going to begin in chapter 4 is because last summer, as a matter of fact, one year ago to this weekend, we spent eight Sundays studying the first three chapters of Revelation. If you want to go back and listen to that series, you can find it on our Awaken to Grace app or website. We called it the Seven Churches of Revelation. We spent eight weeks looking at chapter 1, which is what John saw, Jesus Christ and his vision of Christ. And then chapters 2 and 3, which is this present church age. And I lay out the case of why I believe it's not only, uh, it's not only prophetic, but it's also historical. And they were also literal, physical churches. And then... Uh, in chapters 2 and 3, as it deals with the church age, what I'm going to, the reason I want to start in chapter 4 is because I'm going to try to lay out for you why, in my view, chapter 4 is a great transition, not only in human history, but in the book of Revelation. My goal throughout this series is for you to gain a great familiarity with the book. I want you to feel comfortable with the book of Revelation. If you're like me, you read it and it makes you scratch your head, right? 
But there's a reason for that, and we're going to explain that, not only today, but throughout the course of our study. But I can't tell you how many Christians are afraid of the book of Revelation. And I'll tell you, saints, there's no need to be. As a matter of fact, out of the entire Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, we're encouraged to read it all. We know that all scripture is profitable. It's good. It's, uh, it's the word of God. But listen, Revelation is the only book of the 66 that gives a special blessing to those who read aloud and those who listen and those that study it. Revelation 1.3, God promises a special and a unique blessing to those who will deep dive into the book. And what I love, you know, last Sunday, boy, didn't the wind of the Holy Spirit blow through this place last Sunday? And God put in my heart that we were to fulfill Scripture. What did Paul say? I would that everyone would lift up holy hands unto the Lord. We did that Sunday, and the power of the Holy Spirit fell in a way that I don't know if I have ever felt the Holy Spirit fall in my life. It was sudden, wasn't it? And mighty. Well, in a similar way, today we're fulfilling the Word of God. Revelation 1.3, if whoever reads aloud this book, is that not what Caleb just did? And whoever listens, there is a special blessing for it. So my goal throughout this series is to help you gain an appreciation and a familiarity with the book of Revelation that it doesn't scare you and it doesn't confuse you. In my view, Revelation is in perfect chronological order. Now, let me be upfront. My goal in this series is not to sell you on my viewpoints. I'm going to try to carefully explain my viewpoints. You know, when you study what's called eschatology, which is end time things, there are so many opinions, there are so many interpretations, you can really get confused quickly. But you know, that's how it is in everything else in the world. You know, when we had our parking lot done, they took it down to the dirt. We had three big companies come in and give professional bids. All three companies told us to do it a different way. And all three companies said, you'll ruin your parking lot if you do it the way the other guys are telling you. (laughs) My goal is not to sell you on simply my view. My goal is to give you the material that you can do your own homework, you can follow the Spirit of God, and you can come to your own conclusions. I'm not asking you to agree with me. As a matter of fact, two of my greatest mentors would probably disagree with some of the things I'm going to say today because they don't have a rapture view. I am going to show you today why I believe so strongly In the rapture of the church. But I'm not asking you to agree with my viewpoint. What we're going to do is we're going to tackle the text together. We're going to lay it out. As scripture says, we're going to rightly divide or we're going to rightly handle the word of truth. Amen? So let's deep dive in Revelation 4. We are starting in chapter 4 because we've already preached Chapters 1, 2, and 3 last summer. So we're going to begin this study with chapter 4. And the reason why is because it's such a great transition 
in the book. Caleb, read verse 1 for us, and let's begin to deep dive why this is such a great transition. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Now, this phrase, after this, what an important word in the original language. In the Greek, this word, after this, is metatauta. Now, the reason that that matters is because Revelation is one of the only books in the Bible that outlines itself. Now, my goal here is to show you why this is such an important transition, not only in the book, but in human history. When Jesus told John in Revelation 1.19, he told John what to write. He said, write the things which you have seen. That's chapter 1. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. John saw the vision of Christ, his hair as white as wool, his eyes a flame of fire, his white garment, the golden sash, the feet like burnished bronze, the voice of many waters. He said, write the things which you saw. Go back and listen. There are deep significance to every single thing written in chapter 1. And then Jesus told John, write the things that are, present tense. The things that are, are the seven churches of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. Beginning with the church of Ephesus, going all the way to the church of Laodicea. And again, in that series, I lay out, they were literal, physical churches. They were prophetic in nature, and they are historical in nature. And in my view, we are of the church age of Laodicea. And guess which is the last of the church age? Laodicea. And now we come to chapter 4, and we see this word, metatauta. It's the same word that's in verse 19. So he says, write the things which you've seen. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Write the things which are. That's chapters 2 and 3, the seven churches, this present age. Then he says, metatauta. Write the things that are to come. The things after this. That's chapter 4 all the way through chapter 22 through the ending of the book. The point is, is that there is a transition within this book after the church age. Now, what does he say? After this, I looked, I saw. Uh, two things I want you to know as we go through Revelation. Pay attention to the things that John sees. You know, 70 times John is going to record, I looked or I saw. 70 times he's going to say this. Pay attention to what John says he heard. If you, a great study for you to do are the sound passages of Revelation. Let me tell you, you think our church is loud? Heaven is a loud place. Just pay attention to how loud heaven is in the book of Revelation. And then what does he say? A door opened. Seven times in the book of Revelation, there's going to be an opening of the door. Seven times a door is going to open throughout the book. And it's worth noting here, you know, God loves the number seven. And you know what? You cannot exhaust the number seven in the book of Revelation. I hope throughout our study you gain a great appreciation for the architecture of the book. 
There are multiple, multiple, multiple sevens in the book. There's seven candlestands, seven churches, seven spirits of God, seven sealed judgments, seven trumpet judgments, seven bowl judgments, seven years of tribulation. And the list goes on and on and on. The book is laid out. And listen, if we will slow down and take our time and we will carefully study the book, God will reveal many, many things to us. So John says, after this, metatauta, a clear transition in the book, I saw a door that opened. And what happened, Caleb? And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after See, this. See, this voice that John heard was in chapter 1. Now, after this church age... He hears that voice again, and what does it say? Like a trumpet, it says, come up here. Again, it's so important that we understand the original language of the Bible. The word here in the Greek is harpazo. Now, you're talking about a thrilling word. Thirteen times in the New Testament, the word harpazo is found. And what it literally means, it means to be caught up. It means to be snatched forcefully. It means to be caught away. It is the idea. It is the teaching. It is the doctrine of the rapture of the church. And 13 times it's mentioned throughout the New Testament. The primary teachings for the rapture of the church is found in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15. And it's promised in John chapter 14 verses 1 and 2. What did Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. That Where I am, there you may be also. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Friends, that is the promise. That is the blessed hope of the harpazo, the catching away, the called up, the snatching away of the church. What an amazing and a thrilling thing. And what did John say? He said, like a trumpet, I heard that voice. And what does the Bible say in 1 Thessalonians 4? That there with the Lord himself shall descend and we shall hear a what? A trumpet, the archangel, the voice of the archangel. And what's going to happen in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 1 Corinthians 15. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Harpazo. We shall be called up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And our brothers and sisters who would not agree with a rapture view. Let me remind you, there's seven raptures in the Bible. Did you know that? Again, what does it mean? Harpazo, called up, snatched. There's seven in the Bible. You remember a man named Enoch in the Old Testament in Genesis? When was Enoch raptured. Remember the Bible says that he walked with God and then, and then what is the, how does the Bible describe it? And then he was not. <laughs> what happened? He was, well, that's not in the Greek, but he was called up. He was translated. And when was he translated? Right before the what? The flood. He's a picture of the church. He's a picture of the rapture before God's judgment upon the earth. You remember a man named Elijah? 
Did Elijah die a physical death? What happened to him? He was called up. You wait till we get to the two witnesses of Revelation. You wait till we trace that. Oh, I can't go there. Don't, don't go there, Chad. Calm down. Calm down. You memorize Isaiah? What happened to Isaiah? He was called up. He was before. The, he was in the throne room of God. What happened when Jesus died and was buried and rose again? And for 40 days, he spent those 40 days with his followers. And what happened to Jesus when he ascended on high? Friends, he was harpazo. He was called up. What about Paul? You remember how Paul was in the third heaven? Paul was in heaven. And then Paul comes back and says, I don't know which is better. I want to go on and be with the Lord, but I want to be with you and watch you mature. But what happened? He was harpazo. What about Philip? You remember what happened to Philip? Philip was not taken into heaven, but you want to read a story that will blow your mind. Read in the book of Acts the story of Philip. He was ministering in a city, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit reassigned him, and physically and literally he was translated from one city to another city 20 miles away. What happened? He was translated. He was harpazo. He was snatched. And then lastly, John the Apostle. Chapter 4, verse 1. Come up here. It's the Greek verb harpazo. Seven times. Enoch, Elijah, Isaiah, Jesus, Paul, Philip, and the Apostle John. And friends, we're going to be in the same company. Amen? What's next? This is why I'm having him read. I get too excited. I don't even know where we are in the text, but that's all right. Oh, boy. Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Now, see, this is important. Why is the word after this, metatata, why is that mentioned again? Friends, it's reinforced. The church age has ended. The trumpet has sounded. Come up here. Harpazo. We have been raptured. And now is going to be the fulfillment of chapter 1, verse 19. The things which you have seen. The things which are present. And now metatauta. The things that are after this. The things that are to come. Verse 2. At once I was in the spirit and behold a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. Oh, my. So John is going to give us access to the very throne of God. Now, friends, I want us to approach this carefully today because sometimes we don't have a reverence for God like we should, do we? May God give us a greater reverence. Here we are in the throne room of God. And if you're going to take notes, you may want to note this. The word throne here for God, his throne room, is mentioned 58 times in the Bible. The word is mentioned 43 times just in Revelation alone. The word is mentioned 14 times in chapter 4 alone. Friends, we are in the very throne room of God. 
And he sees he who is seated on the throne. Verse 3, how does he describe it? And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Beautiful. Now, let's understand this. Now, I do think perhaps John was describing almost like multicolored lights. Maybe he didn't have a phrase for it, so he said it's like. It's like Jasper. It's like Carnelian. But no, I think there's a much deeper meaning here, I, I believe. Jasper is a stone that's like crystal. It's, it's a diamond. It's, 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 it's as clear like crystal. Carnelian is a stone that is fiery red. If you want a thrilling read, read chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation, and then go back and read chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ezekiel. And see how similar they are. So here we are in the throne room. And he says it is the appearance of jasper. Which we know is a clear diamond-like crystal stone. And carnelian, which is fiery red. I think there's a much deeper meaning here. Now, understand this. The reason why revelation is so foreign to our ears. The reason it sounds so strange to us quite frankly, is because we don't study the Old Testament as we ought. Do you realize there are 404 verses in the book of Revelation? And yet there are over 800 allusions to the Old Testament. Now think about that. Out of 404 verses, over 800 references, over 800 allusions to the Old Testament. And if we are not familiar with the Old Testament, then it's going to be very strange to our ears. I think this is a type of this. I think this is an example of it. I think what John is signifying to us is that from here on out, the book is going to be about Israel. The high priest in the Old Testament would wear an ephod on their chest. And an ephod had 12 stones symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel. Jasper was the stone for Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob. Carnelian was the stone for Benjamin, the last of Jacob's sons. I think what John is signifying is that from here on out, the book is going to be primarily about Israel. Now, why is that important? Because, friends, you have to understand the distinctive groups of God's people. You, you know, many, many commentators, many pastors, I believe, really error here because they tried to replace Israel with the church. And if you are going to understand eschatology, if you'll understand end-time events, here is one key critical factor that you cannot afford to mess up. The church is absolutely not Israel. Israel is, has always been, and forever will be God's covenant people. Because it has nothing to do with humanity and it has everything to do with the oath and the covenant of God himself. And God chose Israel and God will never abandon them. Woe to America if we ever abandon Israel. Woe to us. 
because they are God's chosen people. And the transition that happens in this book is where is the New Testament, the blood-bought church age? Friends, we're in heaven. We've been raptured. We're not on the earth. And now what's going to happen is the metatauta, the after this, the last outline of Revelation, what's going to happen is now the attention is going to focus to the Jewish nation, the 144,000 sealed, chapter 7. Why is that so important? Because God is going to redeem his people, Israel. This is a signal that the church is watching from the mezzanine of heaven. And what's going on on the earth has to do with the nation of Israel. What's next? Verse 4. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. Oh, I love the word of God. Who are these 24 elders? Now say amen if you're in the mood to learn right now. Who are these 24 elders? May I propose to you that this is us, the church of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7, you can read it for yourself, Daniel saw these 24 thrones, but they were simply being placed. No one was occupying them. Why could Daniel not see the 24 elders? Isaiah was in the throne room. Why could he not see the 24 elders? They record almost verbatim what John records. They see the living creatures. Ezekiel chapter 1, 2, and 3, he sees the four and living creatures. They record almost verbatim. But what's not seen is the 24 elders. And friends, do you know why they couldn't see it? It's because the church is the mystery of God. They could not see it because Christ had not shed his blood. The day of Pentecost had not come. The Holy Spirit was not yet indwelling believers. This 24 elders, it is the church of Jesus Christ. And now, after the harpazo, after the rapture of the church, we're now around the throne of God, and we are represented by these 24 elders. Even here today, even even in this present age, what are people who represent the church, what are they called? Elders. Tomorrow night, we have an eldership meeting. Elders are representatives of the church. And this is the four reasons why I believe these are us. Why I believe it is us. Read, read that verse again, Caleb. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. So number one, Revelation 3.21 Jesus promises to the church, to the ones, to the individuals who overcome, he says, you will be seated on a throne. He doesn't promise that. He promises it to believers. Number two, they were given white robes. Now, this is astonishing to me. Revelation 19.8 says that at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we who are the bride of Christ, do you know what you and I are going to be clothed in? You're talking about exciting. We are going to be clothed in what the Bible calls dazzling white 
garments. <laughs> and do you know what Revelation 19.8 says our garments are made of? The Bible says that literally they are the righteous deeds done upon the saints on the earth. What that means is everything you do in the name of the Lord, everything you do for the glory of God, friends, you are threading your heavenly garments. And the better you live down here, the better dressed you'll be up there. Amen? The third evidence is that we are given crowns. Revelation 2.10. Jesus promises the church to those who overcome will be given a crown of life. You realize the Bible teaches there are five crowns that we can win. There's the incorruptible crown, the crown of glory, the crown of life, the crown of rejoicing, the soul winner's crown. And even though the Bible teaches five crowns that we can win, I don't believe that's an exhaustive list. I think there are many, many, many more. It's the church Whose crown? That word crown there in the Greek, it's not diadem, which is a ruling crown that world leaders are going to be named in Revelation. No, it is Stephanus. It's the overcomer crown, those who overcome, those who conquered sin and life. Amen? And then fourth, the last evidence that this is the church is because of the song we're going to sing in chapter 5. We'll dive into all that next week. But listen, friends, you and I are literally going to be at the throne of God singing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, who ransomed us and purchased us from every tribe and every language. Amen? Yesterday I did a crusade via via, uh, my phone in Pakistan that I do once a month, and I was able to tell those precious people in Pakistan, no matter what culture, no matter what language we speak, we are the ransomed, we are the redeemed of God. Amen. And every believer of every age, of every culture, of every race, of every tongue will be around the throne of God singing, we were bought by the blood of the Lamb. And only the church can sing such a song. Amen? Amen. You know, another reason I believe this is the church, John recognizes them. When we get to chapter 7, the tribulation saints, remember what we said, God has distinctive groups of people. The Old Testament saints are not the church age. The church age is not Israel. But God has another set of people called tribulation saints. And do you remember in John chapter 7, The elder, representing the church, looks at John and says, he he sees a number that can't be numbered. They're the martyred saints of the tribulation, the tribulation saints, those who were killed for their faith. And the elder asked the apostle John, he said, who are these? And do you remember what John says? Sir, you know. In other words, I have no idea. And the elder said, these are they who have come out of great tribulation who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Friends, why did John not recognize them? It's because they're not the church age. The church age is harpazo caught up. Amen? So the, I'm sorry. So the 24 elders, I believe, represent the church. Why? Because we're seated on thrones. We're given robes of white, Revelation 19.8. Revelation 3.21, because we've been given crowns, Revelation 2.10, and because of the song that we're going to sing, Revelation 5. Amen.
Verse 5 says, From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Praise God. This may be my favorite verse in the whole chapter. What did John see? What did John hear? Flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder, peals of thunder. Again, talking about that number seven later in the book, John's going to hear seven thunders, seven voices of seven thunders. Again, you can't exhaust the list of sevens. And what does he see? He says seven torches burning, seven candlesticks, and seven spirits of God. What is this? Friends, again, in my view, it is more evidence that we have been raptured off of the earth. Now say amen if you're with me right now. The seven golden candlesticks and the seven spirits of God are explained by Jesus himself in chapter 1. Jesus tells us what the seven golden candlesticks are. These seven torches, what are they? It is the church of Jesus Christ. And now they're on the earth in chapters 2 and 3. But where, is the, where are the seven torches in chapter 4? Around the throne. We've been raptured. What are the seven spirits of God? We, again, we explain this in the seven churches of Revelation series. This is a term based out of the Old Testament for the Holy Spirit because it represents the seven manifold ministry of the Holy Spirit. God loves the number seven. It is completeness. And why is the Holy Spirit with the seven golden candlesticks in the throne of God? Because, Rev- because 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says that when the restrainer is removed off of the earth. Who's the restrainer? The Holy Spirit. And where does the Holy Spirit dwell? In us, the church of Jesus Christ. And when we are harpazo, when we are called up, the Holy Spirit, that influence, that restrainer is removed off of the earth. Friends, you think the earth is evil today? You think it's evil right now? You let the restrainer be removed. You let the church be removed. You let the Holy Spirit of God be removed. And the world has never seen wickedness like it will during the seven-year tribulation. Verse 5, for me, it's even more evidence that the church has been raptured and is now around the throne of God. Verse 6. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. (laughs) God's word is so full. It's so rich. What's this sea of glass? You know, one of, one of my struggles earlier as a pastor, I kind of shied away from revelation and end time thing. And the reason I shied away is because so much of it, at least what was presented to me, what I would hear preached or taught, so much of it was speculation. I hate speculation. And the majority of sermons I would hear preach was stuff on the Antichrist. You know, is the Antichrist alive today? And just so you know, just, I mean, 
Not even in my notes, but let's, let's just throw it out there. You know, I believe that Satan has had an antichrist in every single generation. I believe he's had a man prepared in every generation. You know why? Because Satan has no more idea of the harpazo than you or I know. He's had to have someone prepared in every age. See, the church, remember the church thought Hitler was the Antichrist. He very well could have been an Antichrist, but it wasn't time. You see what I'm saying? So when people ask silly questions like, well, you know, is the Antichrist alive today? Yeah, probably so, because Satan doesn't know when that time is going to be. But I, I don't like to get off in the weeds. I don't like to get off in speculation. I like interpretation. I like to know what the text says. But there are some times where the best we can do is speculate. And unfortunately, as much as I shy away from that, I do have a speculation of the sea of glass. What is this? Number one, let me say, I do believe it's literal. I have pastored now for 20 years. And the longer I teach the Bible, the longer I study the Bible, the longer I live it the more convinced I am that it's literal. I believe the word of God is literal. And so what's this represent? I, I think it represents the word of God. Now see, think, all throughout scripture, still water represents the word of God. In the tabernacle, they were to wash in the brass, uh, in the brass there the, uh, that held it. They were to wash that represented the word of God. Uh, David said, he leads me beside still waters to restore my soul. That's the word of God. Rushing water always represents the Holy Spirit. Still water always represents the word of God. I believe what John's telling us. I believe what it represents is now the seven torches <laughs> are in heaven around the throne of God. Now the Holy Spirit is in heaven around the throne of God. And now the word of God is around the throne of God. Amen? Amen? Everything complete. Now, it's going to introduce us to these four and living creatures. Now, this is interesting. What are these four living creatures? Again, I speculate here. So give me a little room here. And I don't like speculation, but this is, this is my speculation here. Uh, Ezekiel saw this. Isaiah saw this. A bit of a different form, but extremely similar. In, in my view, I believe that these are incredible angelic beings. You know, there are many different types of angels. I, I think, you know, Paul said we see through a glass dimly. Um, I don't even think we can scratch the surface of understanding angels. But just what we know of Scripture... We know there are archangels. We know there are seraphims. We know there are cherubims. We know there are demons. Demons are fallen angels. There are many different types of angels. And I believe that perhaps this is some type of hierarchy. We know that in Satan's kingdom, Ephesians 6, that there, are, there, there is a hierarchy to Satan's kingdom. There are ranks. When Paul lists Satan's kingdom, principalities, authorities, and rulers, and spiritual wickedness in high places, and all that. He writes in military rank. So we know there's a ranking to the kingdom of darkness. Perhaps in 
in the kingdom of God with angelic beings, there is a hierarchy. And, and, but I, I believe that these are a, a type of angelic being. Now, what's going to be interesting if you pay attention throughout Revelation, and you're going to see this throughout the entire book, it's the 24 elders that speaks to John about events happening in heaven. It is the four living creatures that speak to John about events happening on the earth. And if you pay attention, you'll see that pattern throughout the entire book. See, we, we the way that we view prophecy is prediction, fulfillment. Prediction, fulfillment. Prediction, fulfillment. But the way prophecy is truly meant to be viewed is in patterns. God works in patterns. And you'll see that pattern throughout the rest of the book. Now he's going to describe these four living creatures. And by the way, your Bible may say beast. Beast is not the best translation here. It's actually in the Greek. Uh, oh, it fails me now. Zua, Zua, you have to Google it. Anyway, it's where we get our English word, zoo. And I think it's meant to say a beautiful creature, not beast as in. The reason I don't like that translation, beast, is because of the Antichrist beast, the beast of Daniel. You think an evil, hideous thing, but the actual Greek word is far different than the word for the Antichrist or the false prophet or what was seen in the book of Daniel. Verse 7 says, The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. Now John gives these descriptions very similar to what Ezekiel saw in chapter 1. You can run this down on your own time, but a really fascinating study is the Gospels with this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These uh, many scholars think have a direct link to each of those Gospels, Matthew being um, the lion, uh, Mark being the, what is it, oxen, Luke being the man, and John being the face of an eagle. Uh, you can run that down on your own time, but there is a correlation and there is a link to the Gospels there. But I'm going to run out of time. What's next? And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy mm. is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Amen. Do you know why they say, Holy, holy, holy? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the thrice holy God. Amen. Amen. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Amen. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Amen. Friends, this is going to be us. This is... Us saying, worthy are you, Lord. This is us casting our crowns 
before the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I'm going to run out of time, so let me wrap up with, with this idea. The, we said earlier, the church, only the church has promised crowns. So, Scripture says, we'll take these crowns that are earned and we'll cast these at the feet of Jesus. In other words, this is our gift to the Lord Jesus Christ, the crowns that we earned in this life. I'm going to do a deeper dive on this Tuesday night at prayer meeting. Because what this is, and I'm not going to have time to go into it in full detail, but this is the link that I want you to make. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 teaches what is called the Bema judgment seat of Christ. And the Bema judgment seat is not a judgment of sin because for the church, where was our sin judged? On the cross of Calvary. You and I will never give account for sin. Glory to God. Jesus gave the, he settled our sin debt. This is where we are rewarded. This is where God himself will reward us for the way that we lived on the earth. Some will have gold and precious stones and silver. Some will have hay, wood, and stubble. It'll burn up. There'll be nothing left. Some will have many things to present to Jesus, and some will have nothing to present to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is about motive. This is about the way you live your life. Tuesday night, we're going to deep dive into that because I don't have time today. But here's what I want you to link what I'm calling this session of our study, I'm calling it raptured and rewarded. What is happening in chapter 4? The church age has ended. The church is harpazo. We are called up. We are around the throne of God. And the Bema judgment seat of Christ is taking place right now. And as those four living creatures... What our minds can hardly even fathom when they say, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The Bible says that we, the church with our crowns and our white robes, will fall to our face and will say, Worthy are you, Lord God. One man said it so well. He said, I'm so interested in the future because it's where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. I'm interested in the throne of God because it's where I'm going to be found. Can you imagine that crystal sea? Can you imagine hearing those peals of thunder, seeing those flashings of lightning? Seeing that emerald bow. Oh, I didn't even mention that, Caleb. What's that emerald rainbow? That circular bow? What is that? That's a sign of God's covenant. That while humanity is going to experience the worst judgments of all of humanity, that emerald green, speaking of the mercy of God, that rainbow, that covenant is going to stand God's going to keep his oath to his people.